service this evening. Um, got a couple prayer requests. I'm going to ask uh, Brother uh, John James if he would come and open the service in a word of prayer. Um, I want to remember our uh, Brother Barry and Sister Becky. They're not here and Sister Becky's not feeling well. Just remember her in prayer. I want to remember for Brother Barry as well as uh, they're going to be leaving on Monday for Tanzania, so we just want to remember grace for him, for strength and those that will be traveling with him. I also have a prayer request here from uh, a co-worker of Brother John Harwell. The uh, co-worker asked for prayer. Um, His wife has an alcohol problem, and it's tearing their family apart, and uh, he's asking for God to deliver her and for total healing for their family and for her. Amen. I think that's a very honorable request. If you have any unspoken prayer requests, you just make it known by an uplifting hand. John. Let's bow our heads. Dear Lord, we just bring all these prayer requests just to you and place them before your feet. We know that we don't have in ourselves the power, but through you, all these things are possible, Lord. And we just know that Sister Becky, just use that healing hand on her, Lord. Give her strength. Give the people traveling to Africa, Brother Barry and and all the brothers and, and sisters that are going along, just give them protection, Lord. Just spread your word there. Make it a, a just a mighty time with the people there, Lord Jesus. We just pray for this, this lady. Many of us don't know, Lord, but we know that it doesn't really matter if we know her, Lord, that your healing hand 
can intervene in that situation that's tearing this family apart because you are a reconciler, Lord, and we're just claiming that tonight, Lord. And all these unspokens, Lord, we just know that there's just so much coming against us lately, Lord. So many sicknesses and spirits and, and hard times that you are the strength that just we stand on today. And we're just opening ourselves to your word today and just let it nourish our bodies, Lord. We just know that you are all we need, Lord. And we just bless the this ministering tonight. Just help it to fall on our ears and, and just become something more amongst all of us, Lord. We just thank you for all you do and all your mercies, Lord. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, before we're seated, um, let's sing uh, Power in the Blood. Do you know that? Would you be free from your burden of sin? Want to welcome our visitors? They're here with us. Hope you feel welcome. Well, would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood. Power in the blood. Would your evil victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. Amen. Oh, there is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Now would you be free from your passion and pride? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Come for a cleansing to Calvary's tide. There's wonderful power in the blood. Oh, there is power, power, wonder-working power. Well, in the blood of the Lamb, there is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Now would you be wider, much wider than snow? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Since stains are lost in its life-giving flow, there's wonderful power in the blood. Oh, there is power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Now would you do service for Jesus your King? There's power in the blood. There's power in the blood. Would you live daily His praises to sing? There's wonderful power in the blood. Oh, there is power, power, wonder-working power. Will in the blood, the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Let's sing the chorus again. Well, there is power, 
power, wonder-working power in the blood oh, of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Amen. Thankful for that power, aren't you? Amen. Turn and greet those that are around you. Got a lot of people missing tonight, so if you can't reach, you may have to walk across an aisle. Shake hands. Say hi. want to welcome you all to service. Then you may have your seats. It's uh, great to see one portion of the Clayville family back. Uh, so good to have you guys back. Uh, after a couple weeks in Phoenix, and I guess Brother Chris and the rest of the family are still on their ways back. I think by Sunday, I think he told me he'll be back. So it was good. So it's good to have you back. Um, let's sing... Do we know that song, Joy Unspeakable and Full of Glory? Full of glory, full of glory, because it's joy unspeakable, amen? Well, it is joy unspeakable and full of glory, full of glory, full of glory. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory, or the has has never yet been told. Well, I have found His grace is all complete. He supplieth every need. And while I sit and I learn at Jesus' feet, I am free, yes, free indeed. Because it is joy unspeakable and full of glory. and full of glory or the half has never yet been told I have found the pleasure I once craved it is joy and peace within what a wondrous blessing I am saved amen from the awful guilt of sin Cause it is joy unspeakable and full of glory, full of glory, full of glory. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory, or the half has never yet been told. Now I have found that hope so bright and clear, living in the realm of grace. Oh, the Savior's presence is so near. I can see His smiling face. And it is joy unspeakable and full of glory, full of glory, full of glory. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory, or the half has never yet been told. I want to go back and I want to sing that third verse. There we go, third verse. One more time, and I like the last line that says his smiling face. So let's have all of our faces smiling. I know it's Wednesday. I know we're tired. There's a lot of people missing, but let's still smile. Amen. Well, I have found that hope so bright and clear, living in the realm of grace. 
so near. I can see his smiling face. Amen? Because it is joy unspeakable and full of glory, full of glory, full of glory. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory, or the half has never yet been told. Now I have found the joy no tongue can tell how its waves of glory roll. Well, it is like a great overflowing well springing up within my soul. Amen. Because it is joy unspeakable and full of glory, full of glory, full of glory. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory or the half has never yet been one more time and it is joy unspeakable and full of glory full of glory full of glory it is joy unspeakable and full of glory or the half has never yet been told amen i am thankful for that joy amen some days i don't feel like it but i'm still happy that there's a joy inside my soul amen amen let's stand we're going to ask our ushers to come at this time take up the uh, offering while they're coming just want to remind everybody and those that are streaming to please make sure and sign up for the end of year dinner uh, December 16th. So you can go online. You can do it. I think there was an email sent out. Or if you can't do that, I'm sure. Is there a sign-up sheet? And nope. So you got to do it online. Um, so make sure if you everyone should have got an email that you can uh, sign up. That would be great. Amen. Brother Johnny, would you say a blessing over the offering? Amen. As Brother Aaron uh, gets ready to come, let's sing um, Falling in Love with Jesus. Let's, uh, as Brother Aaron comes, let's make sure and do our part tonight and uh, pull. Amen. Say amen out there uh, and uh, help him as well. He's worked all day in Charlotte, so he's rushed here. So we want to do our part and not just sit back and let him uh, do all the work. Amen. Amen. Falling in love with Jesus. We're falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus was the best thing I ever done. arms I feel protected in his arms never disconnected in his arms 
I feel protected And there's no place I'd rather Rather be Oh, falling in love With Jesus done in his arms oh in his arms I feel protected in his arms never disconnected in his arms I feel protected and there's no place I'd rather rather be Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's uh, have our seats for a moment. God bless you tonight. Thank you so much musicians. Thank you Brother Ben. Uh, Brother Ben is one of my one of my favorite musicians. And God has blessed us with wonderful musicians in this church. I, I really feel it when I travel to different churches. I, then I realize that how blessed we are to have such wonderful musicians. Praise the Lord. Uh, Brother Barry is not feeling well. Um, he could not be here tonight. But um, <clears throat> we thank the Lord that, you know, God is going to be with him during this time. He's also taking a little break. Um, not break, resting as you is expecting to travel to Tanzania. Uh, Sister Becky tested positive for COVID. Uh, Brother Barry tested negative, but he has you know sour throat and Brother Barry always tests negative. <laughs> but um, we just want to keep them in our prayers. And I know he mentioned that Brother Keith had a few rough days, so we want to continue to remember him in our prayers. Uh, Brother Troy Hughes has uh, been diagnosed with influenza, so we want to you know, keep him in our prayers. And Sister Anga Pruitt uh, has been put in hospice care today. And uh, Brother Chris Claver, I think he's home tonight, he's streaming. I told him we miss him, and it's good to have uh, the Clavers back. And um, <clears throat> some other prayer requests that we, we know, some that we've been read before, we just want to remember all these folks in prayer. The greatest weapon that God gave the church was prayer. And once we, we commit things to God in prayer, then God is bound to move. But he is not going to move unless we pray. If we can uh, bow our heads now for a word of prayer, if you have a need, you can show by raising your hand. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you, Lord, for this privilege, Lord, that we have in this space, in this time, Lord, on this other a part of eternity that, Lord, we can gather together and we can raise our hands to you and we can open our hearts to you, Lord, the great eternal one, Lord, who is more than able, who has been faithful throughout the ages. Lord, you have fought all the wars of Israel. Lord, you have never lost. You have always been there for your people, Lord. Lord God, through the dark ages, 
through, Lord God, the periods of drought, through hunger, through many, many trials and tribulations, you have always stood with, with your people. And through all of these things, you have always been faithful. And your people have always come out victorious. Lord, not because of who we are or what we have done, but because of what you did for us. And Lord, we want to bring this prayer request before your throne tonight. And Lord, especially remembering uh, brother, brother, <coughs> brother Keith Buchanan right now, Lord, that you may just touch his body. Father, many prayers have, have gone up and we continue to hold him up before you. That Lord, may you just turn around things in his life. Father, we know that you have never failed and you are not going to fail this one, Lord. Father, we know, oh God, you said in your word that either the prophet tells us that even prayer can change even the mind of God. For Lord, you are the same God. Father, we want to also remember Sister Pruitt who has been put in hospice care that you will be with her tonight. We love you and we appreciate you, Father. Be with us, Lord, as we get into this service. Bless Brother Barry as he is He'll be traveling to Tanzania and want to remember his family. And, and Sister Becky, may you just heal them, Lord. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Uh, if we could stand to uh, read the word. I'm just going to put my timer here. <laughs> Let's read from James chapter 5, verse 17. I sent the slide on email. I'm not sure if uh, the technicians received it. I apologize. St. James chapter 5, verse 17. If you have it, you can say amen. amen. All right, so let's go to... to St. James 5, verse 7. The Bible says... Elias was a man subject to like passions, and as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. Praise the Lord. We may have our seats. By the grace of God tonight, for a little title, we want to talk about, we want to talk about the great conjunction. Amen. Don't be scared by the title. It's a very, very simple message. Uh, I've learned over the years that you have to be simple for people to hear the gospel. When I was new in the field, <laughs> I was immature. <laughs> we wanted to be complicated to sound like you know something, but as you grow in Christ, you realize that at the end of the day, the most important thing is for the people to see Jesus Christ. People of all ages, people of all walks of life, the young, the old, the mothers, the widows, people have to hear the word of the Lord. And it's not about you as a minister, it's about Christ and the people. We as ministers, we are just conduits, we are just like microphones. We don't produce our own sound but we just convey the sound that comes from Christ. Praise be the Lord. Be the Lord. So this conjunction that I'm talking about is uh, an English word that is used for like and, you know, to join, you know, sentences, right, or two, two different propositions. And I, 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 I titled this the great conjunction because 
in reading this scripture in the book of James, it, it says that Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. And it says, and he prayed. That's a conjunction. So he is, he is joining two things that seem completely different, that seem completely, you know, in two-dimensional, praise the Lord. He is a man. He is just a man, right? Subject to like passion. But here it says, but he prayed to stop the rain, and the rain did not come for three and a half years. And I want us to hold that, that, that thought tonight for the next few minutes as, as we get into this service. Because when we read about Elijah or any man of the Bible, sometimes we, are, we tend to think, you know, they were like superhumans. They were not. The Bible says they were men like us. And they were subject to like passions. In other words, Elijah was a man who was subject to anxiety. Elijah was a man who was subject to depression. Elijah was a man who was subject to hunger. Elijah was a man who would worry where his next meal was going to come from. Elijah was a man who would also worry about his family. Elijah was a man who would also worry about things that are happening in his country, about things that are happening at school. So he was a man of like passions as us. Amen. So when the things that he had to give up to follow Christ... It was not something that was just easy, you know, it's Elijah, it was just a walk in the park. He had to overcome those things by faith. And every child that comes to God must come by faith. So every man of God, if you, if, if you, if you just go before the conjunction, you just realize that he's just a man like you and I. Amen. When, when we read these, their lives in retrospect, we think, oh, no, I was was a great mighty man. How could people, in, people in, the, in, in his day not believe him, accept him? It's because we are looking back, right? Maybe 200 years from now, if the rapture would tarry, the Lord forbid, some people would be reading about the prophet and they would say, oh, he was a great man. But you know what? During his time, people don't accept him. The reason why they do not accept him, they say, oh, well, he makes so many mistakes. But, you know, if, if, if a man of God doesn't make mistakes, I would be very, very worried. Because God uses men. And men are people of mistakes. There is no man in the Bible that, never made, that did not make mistakes outside of Jesus Christ. So if you hear, that's why I don't follow the Quran. Because it paints a picture of a man that never made mistakes. And I know that's false. Praise be to God. Because Moses was a man of God. He was a man who had to wrestle with his temper. But still, he was a man of God. Praise be to God. Ezekiel was a man of God. He had things that he had to deal with, but he was a man of God. So your, your situations, your weaknesses, do not preclude you from becoming a woman of God. Sometimes we think, oh, if only I can get rid of this, then I will become a man of God. You have to walk with God the way you are. It's God that has to work in your life to change who you are. And some things about you will never change. Because God made them that way. Praise be to God. I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about certain temperaments. The prophet says, the new birth did not take the Indian nature out of me. He says, I like the woods. I like to hunt and that's not sinful. Though the new birth could not change that about Brother Branham. And there's something about you that the new birth will never change. 
it's, it's, it becomes part of your identity. You may say, oh, if, if I hadn't grown up this way, maybe I would, I would not become like this. But God predestinated you to come up that way so that you can be who you are today. So that you can bless your God's people through that way that you are. Amen. Hallelujah. It's God who is working in, the, in his church, in his people. Praise be to God. So Elijah was a man of subject unto like passion. You know, it's a very, we could say a lot of things about this. We could talk about our Eli, the Elijah of our day, Brother Branham. He was also a man subject to like passion. Praise be to God. But here the Bible says, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. He had to pray earnestly. Why? Because he was a man. He was not a superhuman. He could not just say, oh, you know what? I'm the great Elijah. I'm a servant of God. I can just do whatever I want. He had to pray. And God had to hear his, his prayer. Sometimes we feel like, you know what? Brother Aaron is a minister. I think if, if only he can pray for me, everything is going to be all right. That's okay. But you know what? The power is in you. You don't need a special minister to receive anything from God. The only thing you need is to accept the word of God and believe it, and that's it. Hallelujah. You say, oh, you know what? If, I, if, only, if only Brother Branham was here, you know, I could, I, could, I could have all this. You don't need Brother Branham to be here. If you have faith, you can be healed wherever you are. If you have faith, you can receive your desire wherever you are. The prophet says if Jesus was here, he could not even heal you. Jesus never healed anyone. He says your faith, thy faith has healed you. Amen. Praise be to God. So sometimes we look at ourselves and say, oh, I'm, I cannot be a Christian because, 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 of what, because of what I've done. But you know what? That doesn't make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is what Jesus Christ did. I like the amplified version. It says, Elijah was a man... It says Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, right? And it put here in parentheses, with the same physical, mental, spiritual limitations and shortcomings. And he prayed intensely for it not to rain. In other words, Elijah, there were things that he could not control in his own life. I was listening to a tape. Brother Branham said, I was watching my mother dying and I could, there was nothing I could do about it. And people will say, Brother Branham, you're a prophet. Why don't you do something? He said, I cannot do that, folks. I have to depend upon Shim. Brother Branham, he had to claim his own children for them to be saved. He had to cry out to God and say, Lord, save Billy Paul. There was no automatic ticket for Billy Paul because he was a son of a prophet. The prophet had to apply the same token the same way that you and I apply the token. Hallelujah. God has no grandchildren. And God is a just God. Some people feel like, you know what? Oh, Brother Branham, the way he saved God. I think, obviously, this has to be automatic. It's not automatic. Everything has to work according to God's laws. That's why sometimes ministers, we become puffed up. Oh, I've saved God for this many years. And we feel like we have a leverage over God. You know what? Salvation lasts as much as your faith will last. If you stop believing, that's it. Whether you have been in the message for 20 years, that will never count. That's what the Bible says in the book of Ezekiel. It says, if a righteous man would, would give up his righteousness and become a sinner, all his righteousness is wiped away. But it says, if a sinner repents, all his sins are wiped away. That's how God works. 
You cannot leverage with God. Like some people would say, you know what? I've been going to church for the last 10 years. I feel justified missing service these days. God doesn't work like that. God doesn't work like that. God is interested in what you are right now. It's not a bank account or a 401k that you say, I'm depositing my, my service to God. It is growing. Oh, I've got a huge balance. That will only count if you remain faithful. Think, of, think about insurance. If, you have been insure, if you've been paying your insurance for five years and you stop for two months, they cancel it. You can't say, hey, listen, I've been, I've been having this insurance for five years. It's no longer valid. That will only count if you remain faithful. That's why the Bible says that he that endures to this end shall be saved. So whatever we do, it will count if we remain faithful. Hallelujah. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26, the Bible says, For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many were wise after, after the flesh, not many were mighty, not many were, were noble, are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of, this, of, of the world. You see, when, 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 when Paul is saying God has chosen the foolish things, he's talking about people, and then he says God has chosen the foolish things. If you read carefully, you can see that what he's saying, God has chosen the foolish things, is actually referring to the people that he's talking about. He says, brethren, now listen, not many were wise when you were called. And he says God has not chosen the foolish, he's chosen the foolish things, right? In other words, when God called us to become Christians, he did not call like the mightiest and the brightest in the world. He just chose common man after the flesh. Praise be to God. So if you read this scripture, you will begin to understand that even you know, when we're talking about, about Elijah being just a man, it goes further to say, you know what? Even in our own humanity, we are not the brightest and the wisest according to this scripture. If you look at it, we are people that depend upon God. And our power and our strength is on surrendering ourselves to God. And God designed it that way so that we could rely upon him. Brother Branham, when he was running his campaigns, the Lord would not allow him to take like checks of like five million. Or, he would only allow him to take what is sufficient for his needs. Because he wanted to supply him daily. He didn't want him to, 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 to be like, oh, you know what, I've got all the money I need, I don't need God. He had to depend upon God daily. Praise be to God. And that's what God does sometimes in our lives. He, he, he wants us to depend upon him daily. That's why we can never come to a place where we say, you know what, everything is all figured out. My finances are all figured out. My family is all figured out. My marriage. There will be some area in your life where you're saying, Lord, what about this? Because if God takes care of everything, then people will forget God. That's what, what happened throughout the Bible in the days of Solomon. They had no wars. They had the, the, the longest period of peace. And you know what happened? They went into idolatry. Because, you know, they were living in peace. And that's why even as a nation we are where we are today. Because it's been a long time since we had the last major war. And people no longer know what it is to depend upon God. We are used to having things easy. But the generation that came from World War II, they know what a war is. Praise be to God. So Paul says, 
So, so the prophet says, now the other night I was preaching on the subject of the news flash, the greatest in history. John, his eyes got, uh, the prophet John was kind of filmed over. He was like, he had the spirit of Elijah. And Elijah had a breakdown when he was under the juniper tree. Remember when John said, are you the Christ or should we, should we look for another one? That was John. And the Bible says that there was no man who was built, who was greater than John. Of all the men that were born of woman, there was no man that was greater than John. And John had the spirit of Elijah. How many knows that? But you know what? He was a man subject to like passion. He had moments where he was saying, are you the Christ or should we look for another one? He had mental battles just like you and I. But that's not where the story ends, friends. This is where the difference is, is When you come to that moment, do you have an anchor? Do you have an absolute? Like the prophet one time, you know, he felt like, you know, taking his own life. But there was was an anchor somewhere. And that's what makes the difference. Does not mean that, you know, like this modern day gospel, you know, the motivational speakers, they, they, they want you to feel like, you know, you are living in a bubble, everything is okay, your mind, you know, is foolproof. The prophet says... It's like birds, they will fly, but don't, don't let them make a nest. Amen. Praise be to God. So thoughts will come. There will, there will be time when you, don't want, when you don't feel like coming to church. There will be time when you don't feel like, you know, reading your Bible. But there's something, there's an anchor in you that says, you know what, even if I don't feel like it, I want to go to church anyhow. And many times that's where we have the sweetest victories, where we have to make the, the greatest sacrifices. Because God does not work with our feelings. God works with his promise. Sometimes we, jo- we judge God by what we feel. But yet God is not in the flesh. God is in the spirit. Hallelujah. Because the way we feel can change. That's why you should never marry solely because of how you feel. Because how you feel will change. You may love uh, McDonald's, but one day you will find out it's not the best food in the world. And you may actually end up hating it more than you ever loved it in the first place. Praise be to God. That's how a human feelings are. So people, they, they judge things by, by the flesh. If I feel like this, then that means that the Holy Ghost is near. Sometimes you don't feel anything, but the Holy Ghost is there. Sometimes it seems like there's nothing happening, but the Holy Ghost is there. The prophet I was listening to a tape, the present stage of my ministry, preached in 1962. And the prophet was reading a scripture from Timothy. I'll go back to it, but I just want to take a portion of it. He says that Timothy, the Paul, in the later days of his ministry, people forsook him. He says, Demas has forsaken me. And, 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 and he says, uh, Tychicus has gone this way, and then, you know, only look with, is with me. When you come, you know, uh, bring my, my coat, which I left at Troas, and make haste to come before winter. So, so, so Paul was a man who was working with Luke, who was a physician. In other words, in the natural, Paul was on his weakest point. And until everybody left him, and the prophet says, Demas was a man that was raised up under riches. And when he saw that the miracles were kind of like slowing down in the life of Paul, he left Paul. 
And the prophet says he did not go back to the world, but he misunderstood Paul. So, so the prophet compares his ministry to the ministry of Paul in 1962 because people were, were sending him letters and say, Brother Branham, you are washed out. You know, God, God is no longer moving in your life the same way that you used to move. When you said this, we, a group of ministers in our church, we left your, your service because I think you're, going, you're taking the wrong direction. Naturally, it affected him. And if you read that, if you listen to that message, he was actually crying towards the end and he was, he was reading this scripture. But the prophet says something. He says, when, when people leave you like that, when you go through that, just know that your ministry is about to be crowned. That's what the prophet says. And, 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 and that's what Paul says. Because Paul says, there is laid for me a crown. Praise be, praise be to God. So Paul is saying, I'm going all through this, but you know what? There's a crown that is waiting for me. And sometimes when you go through some battle, sometimes when you, when you feel like nothing is happening, sometimes that's where the crown is very close in our life. And not many months from, from that sermon, the prophet, that's when he had the greatest experience of his life. You know, he, had, he met the angels and he had you know, preached the seven seals, which, which he said was the crowning of his ministry. But he was not aware of that. When he was reading, when, when he, from where he was standing, in the natural looking of, of things, it felt like the ministry had, had taken a tumble. It felt like, oh, Elijah, you know, things have, have slowed down. You know, you're no longer, the, invite, the invitations are dwindling down. Sometimes we judge things by the movement of our surroundings. Amen. Sometimes, you know, people feel like, well, my marriage is no longer stable because, you know, he's no longer posting the way he used to post. Sometimes that's when it's actually more, much, much, much more stable. When there's not a lot of things happening, but there's just a, a small, still voice, an anchor in the inside. Amen. You just know that I am here. Something is keeping me here. And if you are just faithful in those moments, that's when the Lord brings a crowning in your life. And our crowns are different. In the life of the prophet, it was the opening of the seals. But to you, it may not be the opening of the seals. It could be something that you have always desired. It could be your grandchildren getting baptized. It could be your son coming back to the Lord. It could be all your children getting married right in the church. It could be something in your life that God is pleased and he says, I'm going to give you this one. But it's not about how you feel it's about being steady and holding on Amen. and following the small, still voice. There was a wind that came on the cave and the, the Lord was not in the wind. There was a fire that came and the Lord was not in the fire. But the small, still voice spoke and Elijah stood up because he knew that God was in the small, still voice. Now, that doesn't mean that God will always speak with a small, still voice. Sometimes he will come and speak in a thunder. Sometimes he will come speak in a, in, a, in a fire. You know, God is sovereign, right? We cannot make God be just one thing. God will do whatever he wants to do. And he will reveal himself in whatever form he wants to reveal himself. Hallelujah. Now, let's read here. The prophet says, in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9, if we can read that scripture together, 1 Corinthians, if you have your Bibles, let's turn our Bibles. I feel like sometimes it's good to turn our Bibles because, you know, <laughs> uh, 
sometimes, you know, we used, to, we used to sing songs without a hymn book because we didn't have hymn books. And we would, we would memorize songs. But today, because everything is put on the screen, if we're asked to sing a song, we can't remember the words. Because we have been spoiled too much. We used to remember the scriptures because we didn't have enough Bibles. But now we have got it everywhere, so no one cares to remember or to turn their pages, but everything is handed to us. So the screen is great, but sometimes it makes me feel bad. <laughs> because, you know, and so, but it's good sometimes to open the scriptures. You know, the young people, they see, okay, you actually have to open your Bibles. Well, some people, you know, they could be opening their Bibles for the first time, you know, in, in a week. So it's good to open the Bible, <laughs> praise be to God. I'm not saying they are bad people, but sometimes you will be going through, you know, a lot of busy and things like that. First Corinthians chapter 4, verse 9. The Bible says here, And Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. Now, if you read Corinthians, the Bible is just talking about the, this one beget this one, this one beget this one. And that's part of the Bible. If, 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 if I was somebody who was going to compile the Bible... In my natural sense, it's not, I would say, ah, let's just remove this part. It doesn't really matter. But you know what? God, in his own wisdom, he made that part of the Bible. The part that just says, and then this one beget this. And that's part of the word. And there are parts of our lives that we feel like, ah, this doesn't really matter. But you know what? That's part of what God wanted things to be. So here it just says, out of nowhere, it says, and Jen Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. And his mother called him Jabez because, saying, because I bear him with sorrow. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, thou would bless me indeed and enlarge my cost. Some, 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 some Bibles say enlarge my territory. And that thy hand may be with me, and thou would keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. So the difference between verse 9 and verse 10 is Jabez prayed. He saw he was in a situation. His mother even named him Jabez, which means that he was born in sorrow. Let's just call his name Sorrow. His, his brother Sorrow. And, and you know, the Hebrew mothers, they, they, they were not, they just, just didn't name names. It was prophetic. When they would say Judah, then it was Judah. When they say Ephraim, it was Ephraim. It had implications in your life. And this young man, he knew that there is a power because of the name that I was given. This is the name that my mother gave me. But you know what? There, was a, there is a conjunction. Jabez prayed unto God. He was not somebody who was saying, why was I born like this? Why are always things happening to me? Why should this come to me? Sometimes we ask why when we should be asking, how should I come out of this? Sometimes we spend the whole day thinking, why is this happening to me? That's the wrong question. The right question is, Lord, how do I come out of this? Then you see how God can move in your life. But the devil doesn't want us to ask that question. He's always asking why. And you know what? The reason why the devil wants to ask you why is because he wants to give you an answer. And many times, not many times, all the time, the answer is wrong. The devil will give you a wrong answer. Say, this is happening to you because you're a bad person. Because, because you see, because, because God doesn't love you. Because there's something about you. you. You have to die. 
you know, whenever you are sick, the devil will tell you, you are dying. This is your time. This is not your time. God will never take you unless God is done with you. God will never take any person. The devil will never take your life until God is done with you. Unless God is done with you, you will never move out of this world. There are not enough devils in hell to take you until God is done with you. Praise be to God. I've seen people who live with HIV and AIDS in Africa for like 25 years. And many people die, you know, in between. And they just be going. And they die full of years. Why? Because you can never be taken until God is done with you. It's not the decision of the devil. It's not about what you did. It's about what God wants in your life. And if you are a Christian, no matter where you are, you want to be serving God's purpose. Because the only thing that is keeping us in this world is God's purpose. Whether you are evil, whether you are good, we are all serving God's purpose. If you are a false prophet, you're fulfilling God's word. Because the Bible says they shall be false prophets in the last days. If you are drinking, you're fulfilling God's word. Because the Bible says in the last days these things shall happen. So you see, the scriptures cannot be broken. No matter what you are doing, you are always going to be fulfilling God's word. Because you cannot exist outside of God's plan. Praise be to God. The date of Jesus Christ, the prophet says... But to be willing to die for us, he gave freely his blood at Calvary. That's right. And he picked out, and he says, he was a man of sorrow. Now, the Bible is talking about Jesus. I think we find this scripture in in Isaiah. We're going to go to that scripture. It says, acquainted with grief. And he made a public testimony. This is the prophet paraphrasing. Now, you would think that, you know, Jesus Christ was the son of God. Therefore, he had to be happy every day. Therefore, he's the son of God. Oh, he's full of joy every day. But the scripture says he was a man of sorrow. And he was acquainted with grief. Christians go through sorrows. Christians go through grief. Being in the message does not mean that we live in Honolulu or, or all the time. Or, you know, we are somewhere in Disney. We are still in life. Sometimes we are heartbroken. Christians can be heartbroken. You know, and the devil will tell you, oh, this shouldn't happen to you because you're a Christian. That's a lie. Christians go through sorrow. Christians go through grief. And if somebody is grieving, the Bible says grief with those that, you know, are grieving. Don't be the person who says, no, sister, you don't care. You know, me, I even, me, I lost my mother and my father in one day. It never moved me. That is not the right response. If somebody is grieving, that's the time to comfort them. There's a time for joy, there's time for happiness, and there's time for grief. And that's part of life. Praise be to God. But, you know, the modern day church, oh, I'm too blessed to be stressed. That is not true. That's just a money-making gimmick. That is a gimmick right there. Like people would say, oh, just take it, just take, just, just, you know, accept this credit card and you consolidate your debt. That's, that's a gimmick. Those statements are made by people who are just trying to make money. Because as soon as he makes that statement, he will say, now bring your seed. You see? Now the prophet says now in the Bible, in, uh, where am I? I hope I'm synchronizing with my slides. My time is running. I should not have 
used the time. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8. Let's turn to that one. One of the sweetest sounds is hearing the Bible's flipping. <laughs> 5, verse 8. The Bible says, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. This is talking about Jesus Christ. He learned obedience through the things which he suffered. Sometimes we learn obedience through the things that we go through. And those are the things that we teach our children. My son, never go this path. Because you know what? You look at this car, it's because of this path. You see this car, it's because of this path. If you count your, star, your, your scars, they should teach you obedience. And the prophet says, let my mistakes be a stepping stone for you. He says, don't let them be a stumbling block. Let them be a stepping stone. And a Christian, it's okay to, to, have, that, to, to have that. You know, people ask you, what is your greatest regret in life? We, we all have many great regrets. But you know what? We learn obedience through those things. And those things become stepping stones for us and for our children, for our children's children. If you, were, if you came from the world, you don't have to have a complex to say, oh, well, I didn't grow up in church. No, you should, you should tell your testimony. Tell people about, you know, where God took you from. And from that testimony, somebody will find a stepping stone. But you know what? There are people who never see stepping stones. When they see mistakes, they condemn the man. Therefore, he's not a prophet because he made mistakes. That is not what the Bible teaches us. So Jesus, he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Sometimes we, we go through challenges and we suffer. And we learn to be more careful. We learn to be more careful with our words. We learn to be more careful with our emails. We learn to be careful on how we respond, how we say things to people. Because sometimes we suffer things. Praise be to God. Exodus chapter 3 verse, verse 14. God said to Moses, he came down and says, he says, I am that I am. Thou shalt you say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. Now, there are many ways of looking at this scripture, but I like, uh, I like to take you know, a, a different context tonight. I am that I am may mean that what I am right now is what I am, which means that God is what he reveals himself to you. When God revealed himself to Ezekiel, he was a wheel inside a wheel. When he revealed himself to Moses, he was a burning bush. When he revealed himself to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he was a fourth man. He was a man. So God will reveal himself in different ways to different people. But he is what he is. If you need bread, he's Jehovah Jireh. If you need healing, he's Jehovah Rapha. But he is what he is. And you cannot make him one thing. He is what he is. If I receive the Holy Ghost whilst I was at a camp meeting, no, it's not going to be the same for everyone. That is what God appeared to me personally. Amen. But it may be different to this brother or that sister. So God says, I am that I am. In other words, he is unlimited. He cannot be defined by one thing. He's an infinite God. And he cannot be defined by a one group or a one clique. Can I say something? God is not in cliques. God is not in groups. God works with individuals. The Jews are served as a group. But the Gentiles are served as individuals. That's why if you read the Bible, 
The Jews are numbered, 144,000, 3,000, whatever. The Jews, the, the Gentiles, they're not numbered. The Bible just says multitudes. Because, because Gentiles are individuals. Sometimes people feel like, you know what, if I go to this church, I'll, I'll become a better Christian. No, you will become a better Christian if you walk by faith and believe God's word. Some people feel like, oh, if I, I'll get in the spirit if Brother Saul and Saul preaches. One day you discover that Brother Saul and Saul is no longer in the message. Then what are you going to do? I think we, we should go past to the way, you know, building our absolutes and, and personalities. It is time where we have to build upon the Holy Ghost. When you come from home, you go to church with an expectation to say, Lord, speak to me. Whether it's this brother singing or this brother preaching, God, I want to hear from you. If you have that attitude, God is going to speak to you. Because God is not obligated to speak to us through our favorite preachers. God will speak to you in his own sovereign way. And sometimes you may miss it because you want God to work through a certain channel. God knows what he wants to do. And he, God he is the one who chooses which channel he is going to use. He can visit you in the form of an angel. Sometimes he can visit to you in, in, as a stranger. The Bible says don't forget to entertain strangers because some have entertained angels. Now this scripture does not apply to children 18 and below because we are living in a very dangerous world. So we have to qualify this statement. <laughs> Praise be to God. Parents, didn't want to get in trouble. <laughs> children, if you see a stranger that says, come, don't go. Go to mom and dad. John chapter 21, verse 12. Jesus said unto them, come and dine. And no one of the disciples does ask him, who art thou? Knowing it was the Lord. Have you ever been in a situation where if somebody would ask you, how did you do this? You, you have no explanation, but in your heart you just feel, it, that was the Lord. It was the Lord. And you know what? I like how Jesus is so personal. He just comes as a regular man. Because, you see, they could not ask, who are you? Because there was a possibility that they, they could mistake him for someone else. That's why the scripture says they could not ask, because he came as an ordinary man. And in our day, he came as an ordinary man. And even now, he still speaks through ordinary man. It's not going to be, you know, somebody in a white robe blasting from heaven, you know, like the, the pope or the archbishop. Or, God is very simple, friends. And he, 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 he took some fish, and he was, you know, grilling fish. This is why we, like, we love barbecue, because it's, it's there in the Bible. You see, you see, Jesus knew the few times that he appeared to his disciples that there had to be a barbecue somewhere. So he made bread and fish upon the fire. And the disciples, after fishing, they, you know, they'll be very hungry. They'll be tired. And Jesus Christ knew what they wanted. They wanted food. Sometimes God comes to us in a very simple way. Just, he, 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 just to, 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 to prove that, hey, hey, buddy, I'm with you. Hey, buddy, it's, it's okay. Somebody, uh, what, there was one time where the prophet says, <laughs> there was a couple which was almost getting divorced. I think he told them, the brother, just buy candy and give the, 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 the lady. And that small gesture, it changed their marriage. Sometimes we think about big things, but sometimes people just want small things. 
Sometimes people just want to be appreciated. Sometimes somebody wants to be told, hey, you're doing a good job. Sometimes somebody wants to be told just good morning, you know. Somebody, sometimes somebody just wants to be told thank you. So, so Jesus, he gives them fish. And some people may think, what is so spiritual about fish? That's why they miss Jesus Christ. There was a man who was converted, and they asked him, hey, listen, was it the sermon that was preached? He said, no. Was it the songs that were singing? Because they tried many years. He said, so what means do you accept Christ? He says, I went hunting. You know, I think they were hunting like rabbits or something. And he says, I shot, I shot some, and... And he was crying, he said, the, prophet, the prophet talks about this story. He says, I was a poor shot, but I know that God loves me because he gave me the game. So, so he was converted because God had given him something. He knew I couldn't, I, couldn't, I couldn't have gotten this, something so simple like that. Yet it converted him to become a Christian. Hallelujah. And sometimes that's the way it is with our children. Sometimes we feel like, oh, if they go to this great big camp, I think that will be it. Sometimes, sometimes it's, it could be very, very simple. So, sometimes it could be just something so random and so simple. God can just anoint something. So Jesus comes in a very simple, in a very powerful way. In a, God is very personal. If you're a little girl, he will come to you in a way that you understand. For a young man, he will come to you in a way that you understand. I remember one time... <laughs> I was having a prayer line somewhere, and there was a, a sister that came, and she said, Brother Aaron, pray for me because I'm losing my hairline. And I could relate to her. That's something that she was worried about, being a girl, right? And, and I had to pray as earnestly as, as I would pray for a, a somebody who is going through cancer or whatever it is. I could not say, ah, that's just nothing, you know. Because you know what? Jesus is in those little things. Brother Branham wanted squirrels. God gave him squirrels. Somebody will say, ah, that is not spiritual. You know what? That's where you miss God. God gave him squirrels. What is the value of squirrels if I will ask you today? Some of you don't eat squirrels, but I'm from Africa. I think that's a good snack, you know? <laughs> you know? So they may probably cost like $20 if you would value them today. Something literally is that, but yet it's a big testimony. So God will come to you in a way that you understand, in a simple way, because he is, I am that I am. The second seal, the prophet says, and he got so low till even the shortest man in the town had to look down on him to see him. Is that right? Zacchaeus, that's right. So Jesus Brother Branham had a favorite song. His, the song was called Down From His Glory. And there's a verse to that song that I love. It says, what condensation that brings redemption. And I, there's a saying that we used to say in the field when we were going out evangelizing in the, in the missions. It says, it's condensation that brings redemption. If you want to redeem something, you have to con- go down, right? If you want to, to, to help someone, you have to come down to their level. If you need to help someone, don't, you know, like what Brother Barry would say, you can't speak like from a high point and say, hey, you, come up here. You have to come down because Jesus came down from the portals of glory and he reached down and he went to the shortest man in Israel. His name was Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus had to climb a tree because he said, you know what? 
Jesus Christ is not going to notice me because I'm too short. So let me go up in a sycamore tree. Let me go up in a tree. Let me tell you something. There's only one tree you can climb for Jesus Christ to touch you. That's the cross of Calvary. And no matter how short you are spiritually, you are never too insignificant for Christ to know about you. Jesus Christ, when he was walking, Zacchaeus just saw him. said, oh, that's the, that's the master. And he thought, you know what, he was just going to pass by. But Jesus Christ, being a prophet, the son of man, by discernment, he knew there was a man in the tree. And he says, Zacchaeus, come down. Oh, he was shocked. I think he almost fell off the tree. How did you know I was in the tree? How did you know my name? Hey, he's the king of glory. Amen. Says, today, I'm going to come to your house. Oh, man. He started thinking about his house, the mess that was probably there. He had you know, his hunting shoes, you know, all over the place. Maybe, you know, well, he had a good wife, but let's just dramatize it, right? He was thinking, oh, my home is not worth for the master to come to my home. You know, it's not in good shape. Oh, you know, I've got all kinds of things. I've got, you know, uh, 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 portraits of, you know, these worldly musicians, Taylor Swift. Ah, what would the master think if you come to my house? Because he was not a Christian, right? But you know what? Jesus Christ knew all of that. But he says, I am coming to your house anyway. And that converted Zacharias. He was so converted until when Jesus Christ was eating, he was, you know, taking money. I remember looking, watching the film in Africa on a big screen when we were young people. You know, the missionaries would come and they put a projector. And oh, it was such a big wonder, you know. Everybody would go there and would watch the Jesus film. So Zacchaeus would go in his house and, you know, take all the money that he stole. He says, I'm going to give it back. You know, he was, Jesus Christ never preached a sermon to him. He never said, hey, Zacchaeus, Repent! Or perish. He just went in his house, he started eating. But as Jesus Christ was in, his, in that house, something was happening in the heart of Zacchaeus. Sometimes we try to convert people by our own flesh. But sometimes if we can just live a Christian life, something will happen in the young man's, in the young man's heart. Something will happen in the husband's heart. Something will happen in the wife's heart by our life and our conduct. Jesus never preached a sermon in the house of Zacchaeus. But because there was a seat, and the time of the seat to come had arrived, Zacchaeus felt under heavy conviction because of the life that he has seen in Jesus. And the world today is hungry, not for a big church, not for golden pews, but for humble lives, for surrendered lives, for simple lives, for, for, for lives that are full of love, just kindness, People are looking for a little bit of love. Praise be to God. And that's what is going to convict someone someday. Sometimes it's not about arguing over doctrine. Sometimes it's not about proving that your church is right. But sometimes it's about the life that you live. You know, I was coming to church, so there's a young man that we are trying, I'm trying to bring to the message. He seems like a good young man. I went with him one of the meetings here in America. So he said, Brother Aaron, can you please take me to the airport? I'm flying out to Africa. I knew I was going to church. You know, I'm, I'm going to be preaching. It's good for me to be early. But I said, you know what? You never know. <laughs> you know, how, you know, let me just go. You know, Jesus would abandon 99 sheep. He said, ah, if I'm late, I'll just tell Brother Tom. Just tell Brother, 
to sing a couple more songs. <laughs> because, you know, maybe it could be his chance to receive Christ. So I said, you know what, I'm going to preach. I'm in my, in my suit, but I'm going to take you. I could have said, hey, I'm going to take, I'm going to send you an Uber. I said, I'm going to take you to the airport in, you know, multiple bags. And I pulled up in his apartment, packed his bag. I was on my way to the church. I said, Brother Aaron, you came to pick me up. Your, your family is here with your Bible. Oh, you picked me up in a jeep. Oh, Brother Aaron, you are such a Christian. <laughs> I said, don't worry about it, brother. Anything you need, just let me know. I dropped him, and then I <laughs> went to church, you know. Because I realized sometimes it's not about preaching a sermon. Sometimes it's not about arguing and debating. Sometimes it's just being kind. Sometimes it's just living the life. Praise be to God. Amen. So you pray for that young man. The prophet says, today we got the wrong conception of power. Power is overcoming, retaining good for evil. That's real power. That can love your enemy, do good to those that do evil to you. That's real power. That's God's power. Yes. When we think of power, when we think, oh, if somebody's a Christian full of the Holy Ghost, we think about, you know, those people that lift <laughs> weights. You know, they're just pushing everything out of their way. They, they are ready to fight. Christians, you could be somebody who is lowly and meek, but yet inside you, there's a power that can create a world. You could just be, you know, maybe a, a simple plumber or, or somebody who is, you know, a home, you know, a, a wife at home, a homekeeper, but there's something in you, there's a power in you that created the whole heavens. That's the whole mystery of Christianity. The Bible says in the book of Romans, be of the same mind one towards another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceit. So Paul is saying, we as Christians, we should condescend to men of low estate. The world right now, it's all about elevation. But the Bible is all about condescending. The world, it's all about flashiness. The world is all about you know, how pompous someone can be. The world is all about how big, how, how, how you're able to outclass everyone. You know, that's, that's the world. But the, the Bible is all about condescending. The Bible says, to men of low estate. That's a very powerful scripture. But anyway, let's continue here. The prophet says, why did he permit it? God, the attributes of God is a savior. If there be never be no sin, his display could have never been displayed or displayed of a healer. If they'd never, if he's a healer, that's the nature of God. And if he, if he hadn't permitted sickness, they would never, he could have never been a healer, right? If God, if you had not been sick, then God could not be a healer. And I'll tell you something about God. God is not interested in redeeming everyone. God only redeems his attributes. Because redemption means bringing back. So you cannot bring back something that was never there. So God can only redeem things that were lost, which are his sons. So sometimes we ask, Lord, I'm a Christian, why am I sick? God wants to redeem his attributes. So you are an attribute of God. So God can only display his power to his attributes. Why would God show, why would God, God can only save his children. 
So unfortunately, there is no other way that God can express his being except through, through these things. Praise be to God. So God, although he does, you know, the rain falls on the just and unjust, but God is more interested in the seed of Abraham. That's why Jesus Christ said, you know what? I am only sent to the lost sheep of the house. That's what Jesus Christ said. And many times his speech, if you read the Bible, if we were to read it today, people would say it's not politically correct. But God is sovereign. And the truth is the truth. Praise be to God. God is not interested in appeasing certain you know, quarters. God is interested in just speaking the truth. I'm left with 10 minutes. I think I'm doing okay. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. Oh, wow, this is wonderful. And his name shall be called Wonderful. And it shall be called what? Counselor. Now, I want to pause here. Why would you need a counselor unless you are distressed? Why would you need a counselor unless you are psychologically traumatized? Why would you need a counselor unless you're, you're having a hard time making decisions? And why would God be a counselor unless he can, if there's not, there are no people to counsel? One time we had a, 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 there was a, a large minister's meeting in Africa. So somebody did something very funny. They sneaked in a, a psychiatrist, <laughs> psychologist. So he, he, he was given a slot to speak. And... <laughs> And the ministers, they said, oh, we are ministers. We don't need psychologists. And the, the man was a Christian a psychologist. He says, oh, yeah, sure you do. Because you know what? Jesus, God was the first counselor because the Bible says he is the counselor. Oh, and they were looking at him. They had no answer for him because he quoted scripture. <laughs> Praise be to God. So in other words, Christians also go through mental problems. That's why Jesus Christ is the counselor. So the key is where do you go? Do you go to Christ or do you go to chat uh, GPT 4.0? <laughs> or you go to uh, Instagram or you have to go to Christ. You have to go to the Holy Ghost through whichever channel he uses because he is the counselor. Hallelujah. So God does not just, people feel like, oh, if you just receive the Holy Ghost, everything. Yeah, you receive the Holy Ghost, but then that Holy Ghost becomes your counselor. It gives you advice. And that advice is advice that applies in your finances, in your marriage, in your, in your, at school, at college. He counsels you every time. Because the Holy Ghost is a tutor. How many knows that? How can you be a tutor unless he's a counselor? So he, the Holy Ghost will lead you. And the Holy Ghost leading you, it's not, you know, people feel like, people are, you know, I think we were taught wrong, the Holy Ghost. If you are born again, everything is okay. Then you don't have to worry. No, no, it's a journey. When you receive the Holy Ghost, you are going on a journey. You grow in that journey. You learn in that journey. You mature in that journey. Isaiah chapter 40, verse, verse, verse 1. Comfort ye, ye, my people. So God is saying, I'm, comfort my people, says, the, says, says God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her welfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received of the Lord's hand trouble for all her sins. 
So we see here Isaiah speaking to, 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 to Israel. God is saying, comfort my people. Revelation chapter 3, verse 10, I'm rushing here. I think I'm like left with just a few slides, but I think I'll be able to keep my time. So musicians, get ready. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I will also keep thee from the hour of temptation. I want you to see that God didn't say, I'm going to remove temptation. He says, I'm going to keep you from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon the earth. Sometimes we feel like, oh, why should I go through this? No, sometimes you go through that and God will keep you through that. Because remember, he says, he says in Luke chapter 22, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, or Aaron, Aaron, or whoever, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. At least, you know, Peter was wheat, right? But I have prayed for you so that Satan may disappear and never come back again. I have prayed for you that the devil may be crushed and not touch God's people. That's how sometimes we evangelists preach. Oh, the devil, my brother, the devil. Sometimes we glorify the devil. If you read the Bible, you don't hear a lot of Satan, Satan, Satan. You don't find the word Satan many times in the Bible. But we say it like a thousand times in our sermon. Okay, verse 32. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. Amen. So the devil is after the faith. Because remember when Job was tried, his wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? In other words, just give up your faith. And Paul talks about faith that is shipwrecked. You know, one day we'll talk about, you know, faith. Praise be God. Sometimes, you know, some people have shipwrecked their faith. That's what Paul says. Whom is Hymenius and Alexander and different ones. But Jesus Christ, he keeps, he's a keeper. In Revelation 3, he says, I'm going to keep you. And in Luke, he says, Peter, I've prayed for you that your faith shall not fail. So, so we are Christians. We are subject to like passions. We are subject to sifting just like any other person. But the difference is that God keeps us through temptation and through trials. Sometimes we as Christians, yes, we go through accidents. But you know what? God keeps us. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 36. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yeah, moreover of bonds and imprisonments. They were stoned. They were sown asunder. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goat's things, being destitute. Afflicted, tormented, uh, were these unbelievers of whom the world was not worth. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in curves of the earth. We are not even a 10% close to these people. We are, we are not even, so we have no right to complain over anything because <laughs> it's, we don't even have like 5% of this. And these having obtained a good report. In other words, a Christian has a report. Remember the adoption, you know, there's a report that goes before the father. Because remember Enoch, the Bible says that before his translation, he had a testimony that he pleased God. So there's a testimony that goes before a translation. And remember, we are 
in the rapture season because this message came for us to go in the rapture. So before we can go in the rapture, we have to have a report like Enoch. There has to be a testimony. Praise be to God. Through faith received not the promise, God having provided some better things for us, that they without us could not be made perfect. Amen. The prophet says, well, the scripture, I believe, some place says that the devil trembles when the weakest of saints goes upon their knees. So we could be weak, we could be weary, we could be, but you know what? We are able to pray. We are able to go down upon our knees and ask God. That's where the difference is, friends. The difference is not in our pews. Our pews are just as much as like any other denomination. Our building is not so different from any other churches, but there is a revelation that's what makes the difference. When we as Christians can get on our knees and pray, and if there is a, a call in these last days, it's a call to prayer. All these troubles, all these you know, uh, prayer requests that we have, it's all calling us to do one thing. It's calling us to pray. It's calling us to take our position to know who we are. Because we can never say, oh, you know what? We are close to the rapture. We're going to have a great revival. And we're going to expect things and things are going to happen. It has to happen now. It's a build up. It has to start right now. So going back to my scripture as the musicians are coming, Elijah was a man like us. But he recognized who he was and what he could do. He was just like us, in the same troubles, in the same trials as we saw in the scriptures. But you know what? He knew who he was and he knew what he could do. I believe that the prophet says the devil has the power of death. And, and the God's people have the power of decision. And God has the power of the resurrection. So which means that we have a part to play in the puzzle. Because we can never overcome unless we are tried. Praise be to God. If we can stand upon our feet. May God help us, brothers and sisters, in these last days to realize who we are and what we can do. What is the point of having the Holy Ghost if we cannot utilize it? What is the point of having the power to speak if we cannot speak? God has given us this power and we have to exercise it as God's children. We want to take again this opportunity to pray for you know, the different prayer requests that we have. I believe that God is still God. I believe that God is still a healer. I believe that God still visits his people. I believe the Holy Spirit is alive, working among his people. I believe that God can still you know, speak to his servants, speak to the young people, speak to the old, speak to... I believe that God can still touch people. I believe that God can still do miracles. I was sent a video, if you want, I can send you. Last week, a friend of mine was preaching in Zimbabwe, and somebody, is there on, on the video, I can give you, he had clashes on, and he just gave them up in the service, and, you know, and he just come forward to say, hey, praise the Lord, God is... Has, has healed me. It was just a miracle like that. It's right there on video. I can send you if you want. And God is still doing these things. Praise be to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight, Lord. Father, we can talk about how weak we can be. We can talk about 
our weaknesses. We can talk about our shortcomings. But we know that Elijah prayed. We know that Moses was a man subject to temper. We are men, Lord. But tonight, Father, we are turning our eyes upon you. That's why we sing a song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Look to him. Look to his power. Father, we are not looking tonight at our weaknesses. We are not looking, Father, at where we are. We are looking at what you can do, Lord. Father, we are raising our hands to you, Father, and we bring these requests, Lord. Father, we are, we are holding, Lord, your children before your throne. We think of brother, Lord, we think about Sister Smith, Lord. We think about Brother Keith, maybe streaming, streaming tonight, watching the service, wondering what is going to happen. Lord, we are holding up before you. May you strengthen him like Peter, Lord, that his faith fail not. May you rejuvenate him, Lord. May you give him joy in his heart. Father, Lord God, we remember, Lord, all the sister, Lord, that has been placed in hospice. Lord, you are still a miracle-working God. Father, we saw you heal Brother Timothy Sean with cancer right before our eyes in this church. Lord, we thank you, God, for good doctors, but we know that you are the one that works through these doctors. Lord, we are asking, oh God, that, Father, you move in our church, Lord. Whoever is sick, Lord, those that are here and those that are streaming, may you just touch their body. Lord, those that are seeking the Holy Spirit, may you just visit them tonight, Lord. Father, those that are looking for a revival, including myself, I'm raising my hand to you. Revive my heart, Lord. Revive me, Lord. May you, Lord, rekindle the fire and the love of God. The love for your word and the love for your people and the love for, Lord God, your things. Lord Jesus Christ, may you give me a heart that is burning, Lord. Sing, Lord, the signs that are happening in Israel, in our country. The only thing, Lord, is for us to go up. But, Lord, we have to give up our weights. Help us tonight, Lord, to give up our weights and that, Lord, we may walk light-footed with you, Jesus Christ. Help us to be simple people. To be humble people, Lord, contrite and ready, Lord, to receive and to walk with you and to accept you in whichever form you come in our lives. We commit each and every one that is here tonight raising their hands. Lord, we, we are committing our pastor into our hands. Bless this congregation, Lord. Without your presence, we are just like any other congregation gathering tonight. We thank you for this time. Watch over us and bless the balance of our week. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless you, saints. Don't forget to sign up for the Christmas dinner. Dinner is always good to be to do it with the saints. Shalom, brother Ben. God bless you. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light. Of his glory and grace. So turn, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonder. We'll grow strange.
scarcely dim in the light of his glory and grace one more time yes turn your eyes upon jesus look wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory been made more than conquerors overcomers in this life we've been made victorious it's through the blood of Jesus Christ amen Yes, we've been made more than conquerors, overcomers in this life. We've been made victorious. It's through the blood of Jesus Christ. Let's sing it again. Rewrote 
enjoy that tonight? Amen. I'm going to ask Brother David Stevens if he'll come and close the service in a word of prayer. You know, um, sometimes growing up as a young man, as a Christian in a Christian family, you'd hear all the stories about David, you'd hear the story about Noah, you'd hear the stories about Elijah. I always had this misconcept sometimes that they weren't just normal people. They didn't have anything. They weren't supermen, right? They weren't superwomen. They were just normal people like we were, that God had his hand on their life. Amen? I'm thankful for that, that he's got his hand on our lives. And just because our lives do this, we have ups and we have downs, that doesn't mean that he's not blessing you or that he doesn't love you. Amen? Amen, Brother David. Let us pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we just... Thank you, dear Lord, for an opportunity to come into your house and hear a word from you, dear Lord. Just ask you to restore the strength that's left our brother tonight, dear Lord. Just give him strength and alertness to travel home, dear Lord. Restore unto him that's come out. We just thank you, O oh God, once again to come into your house, middle of the week, to fill our cup once again, dear Lord, to go out. And, and shine our light in the world, dear Lord, at work or school or wherever we go. We just appreciate you so much. We ask it all in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be dismissed. We're going to sing that one more time. Mercy rewrote my life, and you're free to go. Will mercy rewrote my life? His mercy rewrote my life. Oh, I should have fallen, my soul cast down, but your mercy rewrote my life.